are you? This is Blair Sinta. This is the Recording Drums Podcast. I'm fighting some major allergies. But it sucks. Um, hope it's going well. Uh, this week I'm talking to Miles McPherson. Um, you will hear us referencing Pete. That's our f- mutual friend, Peter Moffat. Uh, who's a shout out to Pete. He's a great drum tech and an incredible drummer. And he teched for both of us uh, at different periods. So we finally met. Uh, over the Zoom and talked. Um, if you don't know Miles, he lives in Nashville. He does a ton of studio work. He's working out of his house. He's working on real studios. Um, really fun conversation. Uh, Pete also, sorry, not Pete, geez. Miles also uh, played for Kelly Clarkson, played for Paramore. If you ever seen, uh, if you ever got to see him play with Paramore or seen videos, you know he's just shredding. It's a really, that's a really fun gig. Uh, we don't even touch on that though, but just recording here, just recording here, just recording. Um, that's it. Okay. Uh, my courses always, courses as always are for sale. The snare drum Bible, snare sound Bible. I cannot talk today. Snare sound Bible, introduction to recording, uh, improve your groove. Um, I'm giving lessons out of my house. Hit me up through my website if you're interested in lessons, recording lessons, drumming lessons, whatever. Uh, record tracks, same old business. All right, here we go. Let's get to Miles. Bye. I just work from home all day, every day. Right. And um, even when things started to get back happening in town, um, I had six situations where I had to cancel all of my work for a week because of some fucking exposure or whatever. And so, you know, I, I, after the sixth time I was like, fuck this. I'm not even, I'm just not doing it anymore. So I quit even doing studio stuff for a couple months. Um, and then I went back to it and then I just kind of quit again. And now I'm sort of, I think I've finally found some balance to where I'm, I'm working at home about half the time and about half in an actual studio. What do you mean you quit studio stuff? I just quit leaving my house. Oh, okay. Okay. Quit I just actual, like in town studio stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I was just working from home. Um, so I, if, I, if somebody asked you to go somewhere, you'd be like, no, but I will do it at home. I, yeah. I mean, and obviously if somebody was asking me to go somewhere they they weren't really willing to do as an overdub, they were wanting to do a full tracking thing. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't able to to pull siphon any of that work into here. I was just thankfully I've had enough going on here to where I, I was able to just you know live off of that and not leave my house. I just I, I I I had never been home for such a long period of time and been you know by myself and I was like wow this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy this a lot. So when was the last time you saw Peter? Man, I saw him not too long ago. Um, we hung out very briefly. Um, but it's been a minute. Um, it was funny. I was, I was telling my girlfriend this morning that I was doing this and I was like, yeah, we have a mutual friend in, in Pete. And she was like, you mean Sushi Train Pete? And I was like, yes, Sushi Train Pete. <laughs> that's how she knows him. Like, his, it, like, like conveyor belt sushi. Is that, yeah, that's his yeah, thing. Yeah. Totally dude. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. When we would go to Japan with Alanis, it was always, he was always like seeking out the, this, this yeah. conveyor belt sushi. Yep. Um, speaking of Atlantis, I have to say that I can't be more jealous that you got to play uninvited. 
I mean, come on. Yes, I, I fully. That was my favorite tune all the time to play. Yeah. Jesus Christ! And somebody sent me a video recently of Victor playing it uh-huh. and just fucking killing it. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, the album. I went and saw him at the Hollywood Bowl uh, in the fall, and uh, that was the first time I'd seen that band in like ten years. Wow. Yeah, it was great. It was, great. It was awesome. I, I'm, I would love to be there and actually watch that happen at some point. Well, they're going back out this summer. I wonder if they're coming through there, you know. Well, if they are, I'm, I'm going to find out what time they're playing Uninvited and show up then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the tunes I auditioned on. You know what I mean? That was like, oh, was like, oh, God. I was like, oh, at least I get to play this tune like, you know, once. Like, yes. With you know, with her, yeah, yeah. I bet that was awesome. Yeah, Gary, that the actual recording of that with Gary is just crazy. What's right. his name? Gary Novak. Oh, that's who played on it. Okay. Yeah, that snare sound is ridiculous. Yeah, everything about it's ridiculous. The feel. Yeah. The part. Yeah. Did he track that with the orchestra, or was that like uh, they cut the? core band first and then do you know anything about that i don't know officially but i've been sure that's how they did that yeah i'm sure the orchestra was after you know they got that money and stuff i didn't know if they went balls to the deep and to the wall and deep balls deep into the wall i don't know i mean yeah it's i mean i shouldn't i shouldn't speculate because i have no idea actually but you know well at least you know who it was (laughs) well i should i should right (laughs) little history well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so all right i hate to, I, you know what I, i'm gonna ask you this even though i don't ask anybody this just because like where are you from originally um well technically i was born in houston but i've lived here since i was five. Oh, okay so i'm kind of i'm kind as of national native as you can sort of be but um you know, songs born here, but yeah, I'm, I'm from here basically. Okay. So you were, you were kind of, were you kind of in the business there? Like young, like just working like, um, yes and no. I mean, you know, my dad is a guitar player, um, session guitar player. It's kind of the answer I was. Yeah. But to find. yeah. What was interesting is that, um, not only could I not spell nepotism, um, <laughs> I probably still can't, uh, you know, he, he was really sensitive to the thing of, um, you know, he, he felt like people would expect him to try and get me on stuff or to get me involved in things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he shied away from that entirely. And like, I didn't even put my last name on my cases. Like I, I, he and I kind of tried to distance ourselves as much as we possibly could. Okay. Um, in order for it to not be fucking weird or whatever for anybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, and First so, of all, I will say that I was not implying nepotism. <laughs> the actual, the actual, the the question was actually more about like the influence of, of all that. Right. You know what and, I mean? and yes, that that certainly had a lot to do with it because I was, you know, I get to go in and hang out in the studio with those guys. Yeah. And strangely enough, though, it wasn't like. Uh, I, I was never like, man, I want to be a studio musician. I want to be a studio drummer. I just wanted to play. Yeah. And whatever that looked like, whether it was live or in the studio or just fucking, you know, 
whatever. I just, all, all I wanted to do was play. And I just kind of fell back asswards into this um, sort of on accident. Um, it just kind of, all of it was so organic um, that I, I can't even really explain how it happened other than it just fucking happened, you know? Yeah. But yeah, the influence certainly that there was, there was definitely a lot to that. And also, you know, it, it certainly helped, I, you know, when I was fifth, four, 14 or 15, um, he had a, he had a couple eight ats and some mics and put them in my bedroom. And so I had, you know, my first home studio at 15 where I was able to track That's amazing. Know, 16 tracks of drums. Right. Um, I had more tracks than I had years at that point. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So that, I mean, you know, I certainly had a leg up in a, in a lot of ways um, just from having him, yeah. you know, from coming out of his sperm ball sack <laughs> or whatever. Who, uh, who, who, do you remember who like you got to see on sessions when you were young? Yeah. Um, um, Chris McHugh, Greg Morrow, Okay. Um, uh, Steve Brewster was another big one. John Hammond, uh, McHugh was a big one because, and 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 Morrow too because I I got to also go out and tour with those guys when they toured with Amy Grant. Okay. Um, and As one like, of the, like 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 just hanging with your dad, kind of. Yeah. yeah. But I would you know I I get to sit on the drum riser and catch sticks and stick them in my backpack. <laughs> right. 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 Um, but McHugh, one of the, one of the, the big things that happened for me, um, I was valeting at the time we had just moved back from LA. I wasn't playing drums at all because we just had our first kid and I was just trying to, you know, feed this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was parking cars at this restaurant and, um, my dad pulled up and I was like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, then just came to say hey. And I, I kind of leaned in and I looked and saw that there was a snare drum sitting in the front seat of his car. I was like, hey, so what the what what is that? What is that? And he was like, well, he said, uh McHugh got this drum and he didn't like it, so he told me to bring it to you. And I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Because at this time I didn't have any gear, I had to sell everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have shit. Uh I was saving, I had an envelope in our sock drawer that I was stashing cash away to try and buy a kit. Okay. Um, and this drum, it was a six and a half uh, Gretsch new classic brass, you know, black chrome over brass, you know, whatever. Yeah. And man, I've used that drum every fucking day for however long it's been since I got that. That would have been 2006. Right. Um, so that was a big one. Um, and, and it was really huge for him to do that. And it was, I, I credit that drum for a lot just because I couldn't afford a good sounding snare drum at that time. Yeah. And you know, that's such a huge part of it. And I was able to find, I remember my first kit that I bought when I started working again in those days, it was like this fucking shitty Mapex kit, but it didn't matter. Cause I had this snare drum that sounded fucking incredible. Right. And so, you know, it all worked out. Um, 
One man's trash is another man's treasure, right? Jeez. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got four of these. This is the worst sounding one. <laughs> yeah, to me, it was the holy fucking grail. And still is. I mean, it's I, I'm somewhere around here. I use it all the time. It's awesome. So were you like, were you, when you guys, when you were out with those guys as a kid, were you like picking the rain or was it more like osmosis, just watching and, you know? Just osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. And at th that time, I had just started. In fact, I may not have even been fully playing drums at that point. I may not have even had a kit. I, I don't remember where that was in the evolution of all the things, but it was it was early on enough to where I was just kind of like, huh? right. You know. But you were like sitting behind the drums, kind of like taking that in. There was like a there was like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know that I know that feeling. I remember going to concerts when I was young and watching like Chuck Mangione. And like James Bradley Jr. was playing drums and I didn't, but there was like, and I just kept staring, like not even like, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't playing. I was just like, that's <laughs> eyeball. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you got back to Nashville. How long were you out here? Uh, two years. Okay. And just long enough to hate it and leave. Okay. <laughs> I've heard that story before. <laughs> um, how long did it take you to start working in, in Nashville? Because I assume you knew people, right? I mean, you had yeah, it, 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 it took it took a little while. I mean, what it took, honestly, was I didn't I, I didn't play drums for about a year and a half um, when we first moved back. And then I got called to come to L.A. and audition for um, – shares kids band deadsy um fucking rock thing or whatever okay and um they were gonna pay me a shit ton of money to go out there and um because it wasn't as much as an, of an audition as it was like let's make sure it's cool and then photo shoot the next day and then you know sort of off to the races um so i i got out there and um we did the photo shoot. I looked completely ridiculous. I had to get this stupid goth makeup and haircut and all this shit. <laughs> and, um, and then literally the day after we did the photo shoot for the record, um, the, the drummer had a freak out and he was like, I, I, I can't quit. I, I thought that's what I wanted. And that's not what I want. And he's like, I, I, I need to keep doing this. And so they called and they were like, Hey, sorry, we'll still pay you. Um, but you know, we don't need you. And I was like, fucking fantastic. And it was like three grand or something. So I went home and I just took off from all of my, you know, painting houses and parking cars and all that shit. And just found every opportunity I could in that month to try and go play with people for free or whatever. And, um, and yeah, because of that one month, things finally started to snowball to where I was, working less and less and then probably about a year a year after that i was able to kind of work full-time uh doing music when that was available like i'd go out on a tour for a year or two or whatever that i'd come back and i'd have to you know do the working shit for a little while and then um you know it was probably it, it wasn't until 2009 when i started with kelly that I was fully full-time. And then even then, like Kelly took a break for 18 months at one point. 
and uh, pulled our retainers and I was fucking moving furniture in between, you know, what session work I could do. Um, but yeah, I was 11 bucks an hour slinging couches around. So it's, it's only been, you know, I mean, it's, it's only been 10 years now that I haven't had to do other things. Right. Um, were you starting to build this behind you? Like, like early on with that? I mean, you know, yeah. At, at 15, like this, this, right. It's I've, I've had some sort of recording situation for for most of my adult life, again, in that same sort of dark period where I wasn't playing drums at all. I didn't have anything and I had to sort of regenerate all the shit. But um, I started pretty quick. So, yeah, I've, I've had I've had this. This has been, you know, this came from a sourdough starter in 2009 or 10 or whatever. Um, and then I've just been, you know adding and subtracting and adding and subtracting like you do you got room for two setups man yeah that's so i'm that's what i'm jealous about <laughs> this guy over here i don't even know if you can see it oh uh, yeah and then this bullshit over here right i've got 32 tracks of just drums damn dude yeah <laughs> it's damn <stupid. laughs> but that's the thing is i i got off uh, I, I kicked my hardware addiction. Um, oh, so I've just got four X8Ps Apollos, and I've, I've got three stations. I've got the where I'm sitting now, which is my primary editing, yep. and then I've got um, same monitor, trackball, everything at each drum kit, um, and so I can dial in sounds from either kit because I'm just doing it. You know, I'm not having to reach over and fuck with knobs or whatever um that's, so yeah that's it's interesting awesome. man you were like you were like fuck this like yeah and it's you're, sure you're, first totally, Apollo, so you're, totally, you're totally like do you switch mic pre's like uh no because i i spent so much time shooting them out um even against my hardware that i had and i had a pretty good collection of stuff i had all the major food groups covered. Yeah. Um, but the, the fucking SSL smokes everything in my opinion, for me, for what I do. Okay. Yeah. So I just, I leave the SSL on everything unless it's kind of a garbage channel that I'm on, I want to save some DSP on or whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't change the pre's much. Um, and do you track, do you track, um, in, uh, well, I don't know, whatever, record mode, whatever they call it in console, like red light, you know, like, are you printing? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing a good bit. Yeah. I've, I've got a lot of, I'm using a lot of DSP going in on the front end. Okay. Wow, man. I think you're the first person I've heard say that they sold their stuff to go fully digital. Well, there was, there were two reasons for me. Um, one was I was sick of being, I was kind of beholden to a drum sound that required, um, somebody to come over and help me engineer. And then once they're gone, it's like, I couldn't really change anything. I could do some basic gain staging stuff, but you know, I, it was, it was just too much of a fucking pain in the ass to really get sounds and play around. 
Um, so knowing that that would be something I could do from the drum kit, you know, with one hand on a fucking okay. knob. So you're just, right. You're just talking physically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, because if I, if I've got to record and, and then move it and then listen and be like, wait, is that, did I, you know, it's just, Oh, I couldn't do it. And then the other thing was, is I, my life got, you know, sort of upended personally, uh, uh, about six years ago, you know, with just divorce. Blah, um, and I was moving like every fucking six months and I, I had a commercial studio, but then that got shut down and I went to another commercial studio and then that got shut down. And there was just, there was so much fucking movement um, that I couldn't depend on a room and it was really hard to find a room. Um, and then I finally, I got a house and uh, the, the room that I decided was the studio was awesome. It was a great room and it sounded killer. It was huge. Um, but I, I realized I was getting too much room in my close mics and I couldn't, I, I, everything that I did, I either lost the room or I lost the ability to control how much room was going into the close mics. And it was driving me fucking crazy. And um, I, I had started using and Apollo is an interface at that point, but I wasn't doing anything processing wise on it. Um, cause I had all the hardware. Right. And I finally, one day I said, fuck it. And I pulled up the ocean way room plugin and I was like, Oh fuck. Right. Yep. <laughs> You're like, I could be anywhere. I could be in a clock. Yeah. So I, I ended up just murdering that room. Uh, there was not a single, bare spot of drywall in that fucking room. I just killed it. And, um, right. And then when I moved out of there, I, I found, I was looking specifically for low ceilings and carpet. And I found this house that's got this basement. That's this whole square footage of the house and it's seven foot ceilings carpeted dead as shit. Um, right. And, and yeah, that's the thing is now I don't have to worry about it. Like, Wherever I go, assuming that I can make noise, it doesn't matter where I am. Right. You know, I, at this point, it kind of sucks because I've, I've, I've grown into this really large room. <laughs> yeah. I, I've filled it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I am going to need something kind of large, but, I, you know, it, it's so good to just not have to worry about fucking acoustics ever again. It's really amazing to me, man, because I, I talk about that a lot with, you know, less experienced people. It's like it's like it doesn't matter anymore. Like, well, first of all, because dead drum sounds are like the thing. Like if you can't it can't be more dead. Like and then yeah. secondly, it's like the amount of beautiful reverb plugins or sunset sound or ocean way plugins or whatever. You're like, OK, well, and, you know, I've been in those rooms and you've probably been in those rooms and it's like. Yep. Sounds like I'm sitting there. Yeah. And, you know, engineers, by and large, don't even notice. Um, mix engineers, there's a couple guys that have asked me, like, hey, is that a, is that a real, was that, what? Um, I'm like, no, it's fucking fake as shit. Right. Um, <laughs> Did you actually go to Hollywood and, and record these drums for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, man. It sounds so good. Shut the fuck up. How do, I don't know how to do the thing. <laughs> that's gonna be the, that's gonna be like the shocking uh <laughs> who's ever listening is gonna like pee their pants man 
damn it. Uh, sorry, I'm technically stupid. I don't believe that. Um, so SSL, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. SSL. You go G channel, E channel. What What are you doing? Well, it on in the in the UA thing. Here, let me check and make sure I'm not saying something stupid. Uh, it's the SSL ECS. Okay. It's the 4000 E channel strip. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've got that on everything that I'm looking at except for my fucking perk mic. Right. It look I mean it makes everything easy with the EQ compression gate. I mean the gate. Pff, right. I don't use the gate though. Um Really? Man, I'm a gating fool. I probably should. I just I I never have and so I've just kind of been like Meh. Like tell me where where do you find the most advantage in 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 the gating? I try to make every track I do sound like Phil Collins. So <laughs> so it's 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 not subtle no i'm kidding um i do do that i mean i do try to you know emulate that if possible but actually i do it more actually for me it's more getting room out on on really dry sounds it's just uh my room is very small but it's live and i keep like you, I just keep trying to get it more dead and more dead, but my ceiling is kind of high, which I like. But there's some tracks where I'm just like, I just, it's just got to be on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear that, you know, when the kick drum is done making it sound, I, I want everything else gone, you know? Right. So, so and that's where I use it. Yeah. You found that to be pretty effective just as a gate thing. You're not having to throw a bunch of gobos around or anything. It, it works for me, you know, and I do it so you wouldn't know it that it's a gate. You know what I mean? Okay. Right. Yeah. It's but got a soft knee or whatever. Exactly. Enough EQ to get out any bleed and then and then the gate will grab the sound when the sound is done or grab the room, I should say, when the sound right. is finished doing its job. Yeah. Yeah, I should probably play with that more, but I'm lazy. And anytime I do the gate thing, I just pull up the um, whatever that you know the the thing the what's the thing the ssl thing no the reverb sorry i'm an idiot uh oh, spl what what are we talking about the, the 80s guy oh yeah the l uh yes <laughs> you know the, the, one. the uh the l the the, the rmx 16 yes yes i knew there's an x in there i was trying to get to the x yeah yeah the ams that's ams yeah um, yeah, I, I go to the AMS and there's a there's a preset called like in the air today or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I like the expander too though. I love the expander thing where it's just it's just a great effect. I mean I, again, I it's like how often do I use it? Like maybe one on every 47 tracks. Oh, great. I get to use this. It's not like you know, every day. Yeah. Um, so you, you're, God damn it. <laughs> uh, so what is your, what do you, if you don't mind me asking, just because I don't, I don't know many other drummers that are working from home mostly like what are you averaging like a track or two a day or like what, what is your workload like? It, it, I mean, it just depends. It's just, sometimes it's crazy. Right. Sometimes it's like I got three in a day, 
you know, and, and there's like a week where it's like, wow, I have like way too much work. And then there's weeks where there's not shit. Yeah. You know, it just depends. Um, yeah. It, you know, and, it, and in a weird way, I feel like I can count on the, like when it's shitty, you know, there's always that, there's always that like, oh boy, like, you know, career's over. But yeah. at the same time, I know season wise, like, okay, well, it's January, you know, or right. February actually is usually worse, right? It's like, okay, it's, it's February, but you know, March, you know, second week of March comes around and people want to work again, you know? Yeah. It's just, I feel like if, if I, if I were to look back and average it over the last two years, it's like, I can probably count on about five songs a week on the low side. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, that's, that's enough to get by. Mm -hmm. And then you do have those weeks where it's like, fuck, <laughs> where do people even write? How many songs? What is How is this possible? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, Hey, do you have a, something that I've discovered lately that has changed my whole shit? Um, is macros like macro keystroke processes. Do you no. fuck with any of that? No, dude, totally changed my life. Okay. Are you in pro tools? Yeah. Okay. So I have macros for, um, uh, like my bounce when I'm bouncing a drum rough, mm -hmm. uh, I have a macro for that, that it, types out the, the name of the file, points it where to go, copies it in the clipboard. So that way, when I go to export, all I have to do is hit another macro and it automatically pastes the name of the song, makes the folder, exports the tracks. Um, I've got macros for, um, you know, because I have to toggle between- uh, my mind right now, man, for real? Dude, it's crazy. I, I, I've got macros for toggling between playback engine settings. So I go from 64 to 1024 or whatever. I just hit one button and it does all of it. Um, I have a macro for importing session data where it does all of my import process. It grabs all the tracks, says what I want to bring in, what I don't want to bring in, Whoa. Uh, maintain relative. Like it does all of that at the click of one button and then poof, everything is there and assigned and done. Is this uh, a separate program you buy or you just got to set it up in Pro Tools? No, 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 no. It's called Keyboard Maestro. Okay. And there might be others, but the one that I've been using is Keyboard Maestro. And I had a nerd, a guy, I, I don't know if he's a nerd, <laughs> probably a nerd, um, helped me build a couple of these. And then I kind of got into it and, and started to see how they worked. And so I was able to, to modify them. And um, man, the one that has fucked me up is I hit option A and it goes through my entire beat detective process in an instant and then closes the window and it's done. It's crazy. Whoa. And yeah. you don't have to check it. I check it. I mean, but when I check it is when I'm doing my shaker and tambourine passes. So I can, I can finish a song in 15 minutes. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> for me, for me, the more intriguing thing is the bounce and the, and the ref and everything. That's good. It's killer. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So is it's, that what you kind of learn how to program a little bit in a way to set these up? Is that kind of what it is? Well, yes and no. I mean, the it's 
Because all it is, is it's you're pulling up a dialogue in this program in Keyboard Maestro. And, you know, you can, it's really easy to input what the keystroke uh, path is. Right. Because you're just hitting those keys. You're right. saying, well, you're putting it in input mode and you're saying, okay, I want to go, uh, you know, uh, shift command B then I want to click in this section of the screen and, you know, it'll record your clicks and moves right. and all that thing. Um, and then really the only thing that gets kind of tricky is that, um, you know, there are certain functions in your computer where your computer can't work that fast. Right. Um, in between keystrokes. So you have to put pauses in. Okay. Um, so you like have to insert some milliseconds here and there. And that's the only thing where you kind of have to like season to taste in order to figure the shit out. Um, wow. But past that, you know, and then there's just, it's, it's cool to see some of these like really deep macros because it's like they're, these guys have figured out how to like tidy and organize even within the macro. So like it'll, it'll pull up a window, but instead of taking up the whole thing, it'll make it smaller and shift it over to the corner. And then it'll close that one before it opens the next one. Like there's just, it gets it gets pretty fucking deep, um, but it doesn't have to. You know what I mean? Like you can do all of these basic processes, but it gets really fun when you do it in a way where it's like so tidy and just easy and awesome. So yeah, it, it can get it can get pretty deep. But to get into some of the basic things, and when you get Keyboard Maestro, it comes with some macros for Pro Tools. Right. Okay. Um, and and you can download. I mean, you can search them on the internet, and people have. All right. them. Um, and I found most of those to be pretty unusable for me just because my workflow is so specific <laughs> and, I'm, and my workflow is dumb. Like I, I, it's not educated. Like it's just me figuring out how to make it fucking happen. Right. So there's probably a lot of things and, and fuck over the years, I've, I've certainly discovered so many things where I'm like, Oh, that's the better way to do that. I yeah. But that's every time you sit down with somebody with pro tools, you're like, Oh, you do it like that. Oh, I should remember that. And then you go home and you just go back to doing it the way you've always done it. <laughs> and I, I bought this, uh, I bought one of these pro tools, like specific keyboards. I used to have one of those. Yeah. I have not used it for its intended purpose. Even for a while I had one for logic. Cause I, you know, when I used to use logic and pro tools, so I was like, okay, since I can use both these, I'm going to put this on. Then I'll remember blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think like they sat around and gathered dust for three years, and I finally threw them away. <laughs> yeah, like I, now I'm I'm just kind of pissed that it's so cluttered. Like there's so many things that I, I'm just right. like snap start to time code. Like oh, what the fuck does that even mean? Right, you don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I need a class just on this. So wait, let's get back to this beat detective thing. Do you do that for every track? I do. Really? Well, here's the deal. Um, in in my tiny little vacuum of a world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ninety nine percent of the things that I'm doing are not necessarily just geographically based in Nashville, but it's Nashville. It's it's the Nashville process. It's you know, it's guys from Minneapolis that are using all players from Nashville and and blah 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 blah. So the majority of what I do is part of this Nashville process. Sure. And sure. the Nashville process is everything is slammed to the grid. Right. Okay. Um, because there's a lot of programming. Um, 
you know, and, and, and that's just, that's, that's the, that's the bar. So you that's don't even think twice. Okay. I mean, there are, you know, there are certain songs where I know uh, that I'm not going to beat Detective It, but okay. I, man, it's been, I, I've probably done that once in the last two years. See, it's just expensive. It's well, not only is it part of your process, but you feel like it's expected or you just you just do it. And you don't even ask. You just like this is just the thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I do playlists before I do it. So I've got the unedited yeah. files, um, but not once has somebody asked me for them. Um, right. They're always like, man, this sounds great. And the other thing, too, is just from a workflow process uh, or from a workflow perspective, I I don't have to think as much about pocket. I can focus on parts and if I, you know, because one of the, one of the big groove killers for me in terms of working is, you know, it's like that one kick in the second verse that was just so fucking on top. And normally when I was, you know, not beat detecting everything or just, I, I would stop and I would go back and like recut it and, and, you know, it just breaks the momentum for me. So I, I love that I can have, you know, an errant hi-hat 16th mm -hmm. accent somewhere. And I just don't even think about it anymore. I mean, I, I log it, I self-loathe for a minute. Right. So it's changed your process. It's freed you up. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I can see that. I can see that for sure. Yeah. It, it just, it allows me to not, it's just one less thing I have to worry about. You know, yeah, it's 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 fascinating to me. You know what I mean? And like for me, it's like the idea of like I have no doubt that my tracks are beat detectived at some point. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of them. Um, and I, I've I got over that hurdle because it's not. It, it used to be that like it was like, oh no, I'm better than that. You don't need to do that to me. To where it just became like, no, that's just what people do. And I. I literally have had people do it like, all right, that's the take. Bam, beat detective it. And you're like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like right in front of you. Where, you know, when I was younger, I would have been like, fuck, I suck. It's like, no, that's, that's not the deal. It's like, this is a sound. This is how we, this is how we do like things are made now. Um, it's nothing personal. And, you know, yeah. because of growing up, I, you know, I came in right as that became the standard. Sure. So for me, groove has always been about, getting as close to beat detective as possible. Yeah. Not infusing, oh, well, I'm going to put this snare behind and I'm going to, you know, like, <laughs> just fucking, <laughs> just get it to where it's easier to grid. Um, so that's, that's always been my goal in terms of pocket is just to, to mm -hmm. be as close to it as possible. Now, inherently, I am on top all the time. Okay. I play on top. I'm, the never is there a transient to the right of the grid marker. Okay. Always to the left. Um, but, you know, and I think part of that just comes from playing live where I, I, I've always, you know, because I get hired for a pretty specific thing, mm. which is energy. It's high energy. You know, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not sleepy coffee house guy. Right. Um, I'm not wired for that. I'll fucking explode and kill everybody in the room. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just kind of my thing. And it's funny, like, honestly, for a while, 
before I was doing the beat detective stuff, uh, I, I would just grab everything and just kind of tab it over a little, <laughs> and oh. scoot it over to the right, and, yeah. it, and it was like, it, I'm on the grid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing about the beat detective and why I offer that as sort of a part of the service is because I I got really good at it. I I'm okay. Not that I got really good at it. That's that's a stupid thing to be good at. No, I well, no, I actually agree with that because I actually suck at it because <laughs> I, I never do it. And whenever right. I have, I'm like, this, it sounds like shit. And then you got to go fix things and like, you know, but, but the technical part of it, I think you have to get better at. Yeah. And, it, you know, for me, it came from, uh, there were a couple of years where I was doing like library content stuff. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that had programming in it. So I was, I, I was forced to go in and, you know, investigate myself mm -hmm. and, um, it was just really frustrating because it, it, you know, there were so many times where it was just like, I don't even know that I'm going to get to the end of this process. Like this is, this is not working, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you've got a song that's in six, eight and it's swung and, you know, it's just like, God damn it. And so I, it was just out of frustration that I spent a lot of time. Um, and where I really got into it was when I started using collection mode. Have you gone there yet? Nope. Yeah. That's, I think I'm going to take a lesson from you. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't use collection mode anymore. Um, but that's, that's where it started to make sense to me and where I was able to get in and get the workflow, but now I've got it. And I still tweak it. Like I did a, a video series. It was funny. I was doing this video series on, on my process. And um, as I was going through my beat detector process, I was like, wait, that is a stupid amount of lead time on the fucking crossfade. Like what the fuck? And I, I changed my whole shit while I'm doing the video. So I'm like, Hey, look at me. I know what I'm talking about. And then I'm like, no, I don't hold on. Let me relearn it. Um, so, but you understand how to, uh, account for swing or whatever, like, yeah. like you in instinctively, like this needs to be this percentage or whatever. Tell you what, one of the, one of the, the biggest secrets that I learned, um, is that 99% of what tracks get sent to me that have swing in the track. Mm -hmm are uh logic 16c yeah that's kind of like the that's kind of like the rail right yeah yeah and what's so stupid is like nobody talks about that really right. you know what i mean like it's not a known universal standard there are thousands seemingly of options in those menus where you're like uh, what the fuck <laughs> right you know, because it's like every brand or whatever has its own thing. And so in Beat Detective, it's like when you go to the uh, when you go to the clip conform, it's like, yeah, under groove, there's just there's so many. God, oh, it's, it's gross. It's just painful to look at. Cubase, <laughs> Feel Injector, Logic, MPC, 51 percent, 57 percent, like Fuck off. Fuck all the way off. I will. Ugh. Can you imagine sitting and having to check each one of those to see what it does? In Pro Tools, there's a lot. There's the Logic C is in Pro Tools setting. Yeah. So Logic Style Grooves okay. 16C. Uh, a buddy of mine said it was 
pretty much between 16C and 16D. I have yet to see a D. 16C.5? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's cool because, you know, it's fun to check because if you get their track and you can you can beat detective their programming, and yeah. if you put it in 16C and it doesn't move, you know you've got it. Um, but yeah, the 16C so, was a big learning lesson. So do you think, do you also think that like, okay, so like, in a, in a weird way, since you've listened to this so much and done the work on it, that like retroactively you've learned that feel in a way? Does that seem logical? Yeah. Uh, are you talking about the 16C? Yeah. Like, like, like what's ingrained in your, you know, your pulse, your, your, your thing. Well, strangely enough, what was interesting about 16C is, you know, because before I, before my buddy told me it was 16C, I had to go through and fucking listen to what MPC 51 fucking percent sounded like. Right. Um, and you know, I didn't go through all of them and I got mad and closed. Don't my you head. just listen to the chronic for that? <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I was smoking a lot of chronic for that because it was making me angry. <laughs> um, but when he told me the 16C, that's the one that does the least to my pass. So like my, my, and, and that's, I think that's the thing is like, I think we have a collective standard in our brains for where swing sits. Yeah. No in a song. And, and I think, you know, I think all of us, if we were to sit down and and compare notes, we're probably all pretty close. Because it seems like there's a standard even for our compatriots that are creating this music. Um, I, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I have yet to get a song that had a swing that felt uncomfortable to me. Like, it all kind of sits in the same spot. Like I, I'm not moving around a lot in terms of what my swing value is. It's, it's kind of a set thing. And apparently 16 C is what that is. That's interesting. Especially like you're talking like an acoustic guitar pass that you're kind of like, you know, locking into. Yeah. That's wow. That's interesting. It's weird, but yeah. it, it does I, seem to be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I swing things way more than I probably ever should, you know, and I feel like that's partly because of, like, you know, studying jazz and listening to jazz that I've never been, like, a super straight, like, player. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's just not, like, I spend so much time listening to s swing stuff, whether it's that was, like, actual jazz or the meters or fucking whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I hear things as opposed to um, like some people who are, I, I think are like amazingly locked in, but to me it's not as like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel as good, even though it may logically sit better than I do. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and the, you know, the difference too is you have listened to and played things that are not just stock pop songs like I only I only deal in commercial music you know what I mean like in terms of what I've grown up listening to okay. um, and what I've played um, I've never fucked with jazz at all it's just okay. something I fake on a pop song if I have to mm -hmm. um, but so yeah I've, I've never had to I've never had to internally move that meter around because for me it's just a it's a novelty that happens to be on two out of 10 songs that I cut in a week. I, you know, I, I wonder if that's like, 
I th- well, I think you 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 said it. I'm going to say it in a different way. Like what I've listened to growing up, because how do I put this? It's like listening to modern. If you kind of grow up listening to you know more modern music, or you this is what you've studied, then this is the thing that's in your brain. Right. right? You've practiced along to those records. Whereas like when I was practicing along to records in the '80s, who do, you know that was just whatever drummer doing their thing, right? Whereas now, like if I was going to practice along to a record that Miles McPherson played on, I'm practicing along to that feel. Right. You know, or however it's been gridded since 2005 or whatever, you know what I mean? Or, or earlier. You well, know? and that's the thing is you, you also, you had time on this planet where that wasn't a thing. I, I mean, I feel like a majority of my time, or at least maybe that's, I, I shouldn't say that. I should say, like, I've spent way more time listening to non-quote-unquote gridded things in my life, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I think, especially when Beat Detective was sort of coming into play, it was always done, like, in a back room by some guy with a hood on, and, uh-huh. you know, he only ate oats that were passed through the door. <laughs> well it used to be like it used to be like well you know first they were cutting tape right right you know and that was like a fucking you know process and a half but then when when beat detective came around i i think right it was in a dark room and it was like you wouldn't necessarily do that in front of like you wouldn't do that in front of jeff Picaro back in the day if if, right. if he had come you know if he had made it to that era there's no fucking way you would do that you know yeah and it wasn't talked and, about. It was, it was kind of yeah. like, it was like, oh, no, we, yeah, I mean. We, like I said, you know, like now, like you just do that to your tracks. And I've had that, you know, and I now like have seen it done like right in front of me. You know what I mean? It's like. But it, it just didn't like that was. That was like a different thing, you know, it's like yeah. and it used to be looping. It's like, oh, can we find a good bar or two? And we'll loop that, and now it's down to the beat or the or the or the sixteenth note, really. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is like the the looping thing really, especially like doing like live loop stuff. Um, that was where it came into play big time because you know, like this little dumb kid I have over here, basically everything that I do on it is it you know a four bar thing. Okay. Uh, right. Interesting. And so, and part of part of the reason why I got into the macro process was um, I was doing this uh, like this music software thing. Um, and I, I was doing all these different layers. So in my template, like I had basically eight or nine different kits. It was like four of the main kit and then four of this other kit. Mm-hmm. And it was just all these layers. And so I was basically each kit was just getting like a four bar loop or whatever. And so I'd have to beat detective all of those and, you know, run back and forth from each kit and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And these things didn't pay that well. So it's, it's not like I could actually spend a significant amount of time on it. Mm-hmm. So the beat detective process was huge because it was taking up all of my time. Yeah. And then when I got the macro for that, it was like, Oh, this is something that I can actually do now. Right. And you're not going crazy by the end of the day because right. Because 90, like what 85% of our days are spent on the computer. And that's what I always say. It's like, 
I'll, I'll spend a half an hour getting a sound, 15 minutes playing, and then another 45 minutes bouncing out files and transferring them and sending them. It's, and it's that 45 minutes that made me want to, yeah. you know, do bad things to my own body. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I've just, I've done everything in my power to just eliminate that. And I've, I'm, I'm a template junkie. I, I work on my template every yeah. day. I'm always tweaking it and making it to where any milliseconds that I can subtract get subtracted and like i've got a situation right now where <laughs> every time i quit pro tools and open it back up it adds this output bus that doesn't exist and is not needed into my io and and deactivates all of my other output buses oh god <laughs> every single fucking time i close pro tools and open it it does that right and i cannot figure it out as to why it's happening and so I, I just this morning decided my next thing that I do today is I'm going to design a macro that when I open Pro Tools, it goes in and automatically deletes that output bus, reactivates the other ones, closes the window, and it's like it never happened. <laughs> I know that feeling just from my template. It's like, oh, I keep, I keep forgetting that I need to pan this thing in the template so I don't have to do it every single time. Well, yeah. And so I, I finally, what I did is I have, a, I have a template folder on my desktop that has the location, uh, an alias for the location of my template that I use. Mm -hmm. um, so what I do is, is anytime I need to make a template change right there on my desktop, I open that uh, alias, I delete the template that I'm currently using. Then one folder over is my template session. I open that up, make all the little changes, save it back into the thing. And I, I name my template drums. So that way, when I open a new session, I type the title of the song first. So if it's, you know, Wiener Kill or whatever, Wiener Kill drums. And then when I go to do my bounce, it it grabs that, it copies it out of the file name, and then it deletes the S, types over, types rough. And so it's Wiener Drum rough or whatever. And then it copies that, but just it copies the drums portion of it and so that way when i do the export then it does the file name for the for the folder so all the way back from my template is me trying to get it to where i'm not ever typing anything into anywhere the only thing that i type is the title of the song the first time i make the session and then i don't ever touch anything ever again man i gotta get on this train big time i'm looking researching today that's crazy it's, it's awesome and keyboard maestro is like 50 bucks yeah because yesterday it literally got two texts uh hey man you forgot to send me those files hey man you got to send me those files two different sessions and i was like oh yeah i did because that was part of it was like you know i was like oh, i don't want to do this and like i i got distracted by something else happily and never came back to it um, yeah. so does your big kit pretty much stay the same and then your small kit is like you know that's kind of like goes yeah crazy with the small kit is, is totally fluid um, in terms of mics and everything. And I've even, a couple times I've set it up to where it's just a table. Okay. Um, I'll just set up a table and put all the things that I can't mount. Okay. You know, like stupid little bullshits and whatever. Yep. And I'll just put mics everywhere and contact mics. And then I'll put a kick drum underneath it. And that'll be the kit or whatever. Um, but yeah, as far as the big kit... Um, I might change symbols occasionally. Usually that's just the ride. Mm -hmm. I need something that's got a little more definition. Um, I'm using these, um, God, what are they called? They're, uh, 
oh, the Byzance Foundry Reserve, the Minels, and they are my favorite symbols I've ever used. So I, I don't ever want to hear anything other than those. Okay. Uh, and then I've just got templates in console um, where I've got different gain staging. So I've got a brushes template. I've got a symbol swells template. I've got a damp snare. I've got a damp snare and toms. Um, I've got a damp and roomy. And then that's it. So the only thing that changes on that kit is either the template and console or I'll put some fucking bandanas over some shit. Yeah. Huh. Are the, so if you're going to do symbol swells, you pull up a different thing in console because of the EQ? Uh, mostly just gain. But that way I'm never having to go through and crank my overheads, crank the rooms, turn, you know, I just click a button and now I've got loud symbols wow cool yeah it's all super easy at this point and that's that was one of the big reasons why console was such a huge thing is because then i could have all of those things saved and preset and i you know i even for a while on this kit had um i had different presets for having the ams on certain things and um okay you know, all my effects and goofy shit like and it, it kind of helped me too there was I had a couple templates where I just sort of arbitrarily put some bizarre effects on things just to give me a starting point. Um, if I needed to be inspired by something that was a little left of center. Right. Um, and so I would just pull up this random template that I had built when I was drunk once. And, you know, now I've got some things happening where I'm like, Ooh, okay, well, if I do this, you know, it just, it makes for a, a better starting point than zero. Yeah. It's um, a creative tool. Have you, have you, have you, um, have you fucked with Luna at all? Man, I, I got really excited about it, but they didn't incorporate fucking audio quantize until like very recently, like in the last month or something. Okay. Um, so it's been out for like two years, but it doesn't have a beat detective process. And as we all know, apparently that's, <laughs> that's game over for you, man. <laughs> so stupid and it's so funny i forget that like other people don't do that all the time like i because it's such a part of my process i i forget that people don't do that <laughs> like it's it's weird to me even just when you first said it i was like oh yeah <laughs> i bet he actually like cares <laughs> Um, it's all style, man. I don't think it's, I don't think it's amount of musicality or, or, or caring. Yeah. Well, so I don't know, dude. Uh, I've definitely learned some things to, I'm telling man, that macro thing. Oh my God, dude, man, it's, it, it'll change your shit. So cause that's literally for me. Like my kids are like, dad, you ready to throw a ball? No, son, you gotta wait 45 minutes. Cause I still have to send files. I can't be involved in your life because I'm building this ref. Yeah. And if I could actually get it to transfer over to Google Chrome into WeTransfer as the macro, bam. Dude. That's half my life. That's actually not a bad idea. And I think you just built my next macro. <laughs> Can we share it? <laughs> Can we share it and sell it? <laughs> dude, absolutely. And, you know, get Keyboard Maestro and I'll send you my macros. Oh, my God, dude. And, you know, again, they're very tailored to my process. Yeah. Um, 
you know, your template is probably... That way I won't have to learn how to beat Detective because you're just going to do it for me. <laughs> it's actually kind of true. <laughs> all you have to learn how to do is Alt-A. Yeah. Let me, I'm going <laughs> to practice right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's Here, fun. ready? Here we go. Alt-A. There, you did it. You did it. Wow. Your keyboard doesn't look as stupid as mine. <laughs> I'm really hating this keyboard. Well, right here's, the, here, here's what's happening with me. My laptop, I changed the battery of my laptop and the trackpad died. And then I tried to replace the trackpad thing, but that's not working. So a new laptop is on the way. But right now, my laptop is stationary. And this is Bluetooth, so I can use my laptop. <laughs> Along with this. So if you could see right here, there's two keyboards and a mouse and a, and a trackball. And I'm and I go back and forth, and sometimes I get confusing. I'm like, how come the laptop is not doing what it's supposed to be doing? It's because I'm on the wrong keyboard, and I've stopped the process that's supposed to be happening on my main computer. Hey, you got a macro for that? Uh, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> what's funny is I, you know I haven't used this laptop um, in probably a year because um, I don't do loops on sessions anymore, um, and that's all this computer was ever for. Um, and so as soon as I set it up, you know, I put it on my desk and what do I do? I'm constantly, why is the mouse not working on the laptop? Because it's not the, you know, like I've been doing it this whole fucking time. I feel so stupid. <laughs> I, I feel like this podcast is actually more of like a computer class, not this particular one, like any of them. You know what I mean? It's more like a computer class than a drum podcast, you know? That's that's what we are these days. Well, I mean, you know, especially if we're talking about recording drums. I mean, that's it. It's it's just computering. That's all we're doing. We're playing for three minutes, and then we're computering. I mean, literally every day, I'm like, dude, you have to play on a pad. Like, you have to go play drums more because you're getting worse. Because you don't play enough. <laughs> See, I just accepted that at about 15. <laughs> I, I, you I, haven't practiced, wow. I haven't practiced in 25 years. I mean. And that's why I'm good at beat detective. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Here we go. Tricks of the trade, kids. This, uh, this conversation has been more illuminating than I could. <laughs> we can start over, man. I could just hit delete. We could start over. And then we can just talk about like paradiddles and fucking you know the self-loathing is not going to vanish like it's it's in there unless you've got one of those men in black pens and you're fucking arsenal over there i'm fucked no I, I ordered one on amazon but it doesn't get here till tomorrow so hey tell me what it's like to be a drummer uh. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like to care about playing <laughs> well you know back to the beginning of our conversation that's why that's that little piece of me that misses playing every night you know what i mean not not the not the sitting in a hotel room part or airplane part but the uh you know because when i come home from a tour i'm like oh i know how to play drums yeah 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 and but you know i i do feel like now that i've been doing this more and, and more full-time i'm and especially recording my own dumb ass at home um i get to stretch you know i i i don't have to play a stock fill because I know I'm not worried about getting this in one pass. I'm not worried about impressing someone or keeping up pace. Um, so I'll, 
I, I, I push myself a lot now because this is the only opportunity that I have to do so. Cause I will not practice. I, there's no fucking way in hell you can get me to sit down and play drums without a band. Um, it's just not possible. Do you feel uh, like those things that you may stretch for survive in the tracks? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then, then it, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I notice it immediately because I'll use a fill that I've never used before that took me a minute to kind of like mm. craft or whatever. And then it'll become my default fill when I head into an actual studio. Um, I'll, I'll start leaning on those things more. And so it's the only way that I've been able to kind of evolve, um, you know, which it, I, I don't know that I'm really moving the needle that anyone else can notice. But to me, at least I feel like I'm growing and I'm not just relying on the same old shit. And, you know, also I, if there's something pocket wise uh, that becomes, you know, I, I, because, you know, when you're in the studio, you have to be your own worst critic. You have to, you have to remember where you fucked up to call for punches and you have to catalog all of those dumb little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try and look for patterns in that. Um, like I noticed the other day that there's a, a hi-hat thing that I'll do in verses um, that is never as clean as it needs to be. And so the next time I go to do it, I make sure that I do it right. And I, I'll, I'll keep going back and cutting it, even though I know I'm going to beat detective the whole thing, you know, in one click, I don't, I'm not going to beat detective me when I'm in a studio somewhere else, somebody else is going to have to do that. And I, I don't want them seeing all of my fucking flaws. Right. Um, That's so I, I, it is practice. You still hold for yourself. What's that? That's the standard you still hold for yourself. You, you you need to be able to pull it off. It's, I mean, uh, you know, you're kind of like, um, uh, what's the word? You're kind of like, you know, slagging yourself to say like, oh, I don't do this, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, the beat detective is not to fix shitty playing. It's to, it's to do the industry standard or the thing that people expect from you. Right. It's not the playing. No. Uh, but again, it, it, it kind of is in that there are, you know, if, if I'm not noticing a pattern and I just have an errant snare or an errant right. fill, right. I just move on. I don't even yeah, think about that, it. But that happens to everyone or, yeah. least, you know, 97% of drummers, you know, minus, you know, a few that I can think of, you know what I mean? <laughs> the, I know one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Jerry Rowe. Of course I know Jerry. Yeah. Fuck Jerry. <laughs> Uh, I hate him. Uh, I hate him so much. How can anyone be that good? Like it's his pocket is impeccable and it's, it's not a feel like it. He does the thing where it's like, if you were to pull it up, I mean, I haven't, and I want to, I, I guarantee if you were to pull up his tracks, it's just spot on. It, it looks like it was beat detective by God. That man is just a, fucking weirdo his brain is fucked talk about somebody who grew up in it man right yeah yeah and he and i have known each other since i mean he was i don't even think he was 18 yet um we've been playing in bands together and shit he was he was out here for a while were you here at the same time no he came out after i did but i came and spent some time with him a few times when he was out here okay there yeah (laughs) right wherever 
Right. Yeah, but he's one of those guys that uh, I wish I could just do that. Then I wouldn't have to alt A. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I wouldn't have spent hours of my life learning macros. There are there are mortals and there are immortals, and you know. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be a mortal. It's fine. Uh, you know, I've accepted my fate too. I'm a mortal. <laughs> Yay, uh, Miles, thanks, man. Dude, thanks for having me. I, I I didn't even know that you were doing this, so now I'm gonna have to like. How many do you have? Do you have a bunch of content or what? Who? What is this? What is this? Yeah, this is uh, this is season two. Ah, yes. Uh, the deep it was like a COVID thing. Yeah, I was like, I need something to do. I need to like talk to other people. You know what I do like about this is that like I can like fucking out of the blue hit up somebody like you and like and like now we've we've wrapped and like, you know, Peter's like for years, Peter's been like, dude, you got to meet Miles, man. You guys would love each other. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, insert your name into that thing. And he's been doing the same thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I fucking texted him like two days ago. I was like, dude, I'm finally going to talk to Miles. <laughs> Well, we both need to text him here in a little bit and send him love because he probably needs it, as yeah. he always does. Shout, God, out, shout out to Peter Moffat. Love you. Five. Badass drummer. Incredible tech. I'm hugging him right now. Well, my hands are holding. <laughs> right. <laughs> bear hug. <laughs> Definitely a bear hug in so many ways. In so many ways, yes. <sighs> Fucking beautiful. Well, thank you for having me. It was delightful. I'm going to go refill my... Uh, my mason jar you probably should too i gotta pee so yeah <laughs> all right well i'm gonna try and figure out how to turn this thing off with the i just used the fucking trackball god damn it <laughs> all right man i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you up and we're gonna be macroing it for a minute yes do the keyboard maestro and i'll send you all the shit i will well thanks dude see you bro